Hi, everyone. Good to see you. Good to be with you. We are currently in a series entitled Deeply Rooted, and this is something that our ECC denomination um, has birthed and are inviting other churches to join in with them. And so we are doing just that, except, of course, we have to tweak it for the Wellspring way, right? So, um, so you'll hear us be talking about a call to prayer over the next several weeks. And Pastor Rebecca began our series a couple of weeks ago. Um, we had Mother's Day last week, and so we, we paused for that. But Pastor Rebecca opened with just giving us a picture of what it looks like to approach um, prayer in general. And that is like with this posture of being open, with this faith that is, is very much like a, that of a, a childlike faith. And so that's a good foundation for us to continue on. And over the next several weeks, we're hopefully going to become more deeply rooted in our prayer life, individually and corporately, through different lenses and spiritual prayer practices. For some, prayer comes easily. For others, not so. <laughs> it's hard. I, I'm, I don't know how many of you have a hard time praying out loud. Right? Especially if you don't know somebody very well. Um, and sometimes it's even hard to pray alone. Sometimes we wonder, is it what I'm asking for? Is it a valid prayer request? I mean, I, I pay, pray for parking spaces all the time. When I go shopping, I pray for that. And that is so small compared to some of these other major um, needs and just things that people are going through that, um, yeah doesn't even compare. But I don't believe that any request that we make is too small or too big for our Father in Heaven, so why not pray? I know it never hurts to ask for anything, but it will hurt to ask for nothing. So as we go through this series, I am feeling this heightened awareness to examine my own prayer life. And, and that is really what we're inviting you to in the next several weeks. I know that I could and I should probably be better about praying more frequently and responsively and conscientiously. And if you can relate to any of these feelings that I'm talking about, then I'm especially glad that you're here this morning with us. And for those of you who may be joining us for the first time or more recently, I um, just want to introduce myself. I'm Pastor Cheryl, and I'm one of four pastors on our pastor team. And we have uh, Rebecca, Pastor Rebecca, who is like our lead and full-time, and she's the one that guides us and leads us. And then you have three other pastors that are bivocational, serving here at Wellspring. Um, and for me, I serve here, and I also practice law. I have my own practice, and the kind of work that I do, which is estate planning, it offers wonderful opportunities to sit and listen to my clients' stories. And some of my clients are more vulnerable and open than others, and they share a lot, a lot, <laughs> especially about the family dynamics and the challenges that they're going through. And every so often, if I know or I can sense that someone is also a believer in Christ, we'll pray. We'll actually pray about things that come up. I'll ask, and if they're okay with it, then we'll pray. And one client of mine was an elderly man who came to see me about his estate. 
but he was also involved in a lawsuit with his family. And there's all kinds of things, right? We have family court for all sorts of um, conflict that can't be resolved. And he had to face his family before a judge in the coming days. And he was the nicest man, so hard to imagine. But I did have to talk slow and loudly for him to understand me because he was hearing impaired. I had to do that with a lot of my clients, actually. And his family was frustrated, he said, because they always have to talk loudly to him to be heard. So the common bond of being a Christian came up, and he was open to me praying a short prayer about his hearing. So I did. I prayed. I prayed for his ability to be able to hear better, whatever that would take, and that God would provide a way so that he could engage more with his family. Afterwards, I commented that I hoped his hearing would be better soon so that he could talk more with his family. And he chuckled and said, when I asked you to pray for my hearing, I didn't mean my ears. <laughs> I meant my court hearing with the judge. And then he, he added, he, cause, and then he said, I don't necessarily want to hear what my family is saying anyway. <laughs> so the first rule of prayer today, uh, it's not a learning point or anything, but it's just, it's helpful to know what someone really wants prayer for. <laughs> so I share this example with you to illustrate how we can come at things with totally different viewpoints and interpretations and even values. Content and context matter when we pray. And as we delve into today's scripture passages, many of you are familiar with the two um, that we're going to look at today. Jeremiah 29, verses 11 through 14, and Philippians 4, verses 6 through 7. Which, can I just say, this morning when I was preparing this message, um, this week, Keith was preparing for the tithes and offering prayer, and neither of us knew what we were doing, um, but he picked the same verse for his time of tithing. So um, I will say, oh, that is God, right? Okay, so we're on the same, same spiritual wavelength. So I know many of you have these verses memorized that we're going to look at, so feel free to say them out loud with me as I read them aloud. Okay, so we'll look at Jeremiah 29, verses 11 through 14. And I have the New Living Translation here. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope, and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and places where I have banished you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile. And Philippians 4, verses 6 through 7 says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So many claim these as their favorite Bible verses, and it's understandable why. Among the many reasons, they bring comfort and they bring hope and they remind us to have faith in God. 
were reminded also to pray. They're both some of my favorite scripture also. But it wasn't until years, 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 years after becoming a believer that I learned to be more aware that these are not just standalone verses. They are verses connected to other verses that make up a true narrative. And while these specific words encourage and communicate God's intent and his responsiveness in caring for his people, there is this historical context that comes with it or what was actually happening when this verse came to be. And there's literary context of why. Why is this verse sandwiched between these other verses, specifically when we look at the book of Jeremiah? There is so much to know about the historical and literary context, which I will touch on. Yet, because these scripture passages are loaded with rich life lessons, I'm mostly going to be focusing today on what prayer meant in those circumstances and how these verses impact us today as we query, how does this help me to pray for our needs? So way back, way back around the 6th century BC, a letter was written by the prophet Jeremiah, and it was delivered to the Israelites who were in captivity as slaves in Babylon. And this letter held God's words told to Jeremiah delivered to the priests, the elders, the prophets, anyone else who was now under the command of King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon. And while everything was foreign now to the Israelites, God assured them through Jeremiah that one day they would return to God, to Israel, when they seek him with all their heart. So why have they been exiled in the first place? In previous chapters, we're told that because the old covenant had been broken through Moses, this was a consequence. It was a consequence, but not forever. Though it would seem like it, as Jeremiah told them, because it would be 70 years. The amount of years that would take for people to learn reliance on God for their being and their blessing. 70 years. That is a lifetime for many. Many would die in Babylon and never get to return home. Many would never return home to see the fulfillment of God's promise to Abraham. And all would be gone before the kingdom of God was established through the Messiah himself. What you and I probably resonate with when we look at this verse is something I learned in seminary classes referred to as the canonical context. So all of you that went to seminary or love theology, um, that was a, a new big word for me. It's kind of a cool word too. Canonical context, which essentially is talking about the big picture or the whole picture that is being presented. The overall theme, which we could say is, in these scriptures, God encouraging people in life and in challenges, knowing that they can call upon God for that encouragement through prayer, where God reaches our hearts and we reach God's heart. In this particular tough time of uncertainty for the Israelites, God is faithful, hopeful. God is for the people. He instructs them that during these 70, 70 years, they are to do their best, 
to make this new place their home. And Jeremiah's prophecy is to encourage them for survival and growth and transformation and resilience, all things that are applicable to you and I when we think about our world today. Back then, the Israelites were uprooted. Home was now far away. Freedom was taken. Even their place of worship, the temple, had been destroyed. So how in the world do they find their God? How do they go on with so many needs now unmet? They are perhaps angry, numb, traumatized, maybe even indifferent, certainly grief-stricken. And we all got somewhat of a taste of having what is all too familiar being taken away with the pandemic afflicting our world. We had to hunker down at home, granted, but that was still an uprooting from the lifestyle, which I'm sure that we all took for granted. Even in our Wellspring Church family, we as a church have been and are once again being uprooted in need of a new church home. And it is muddy water right now. But it's about to become clear with our town hall meeting next week, so I hope that you'll be here for that. You won't want to miss it. And granted, we are looking at this move not to some um, place that we don't want to be. We want to be there. This is going to be our new home. But we thought that when we got here that this was going to be home for us, right, when we moved here. And we've enjoyed about, I think, 15 years in this, this building. So we're having to uproot again and move to a new place. And we're all wondering, what is it going to be like? What are we going to have and not have? How do we launch well? And the Israelites were asking themselves the same things. Maybe not with such a great attitude. I think everyone here has done a, an amazing, just, just you're so amazing with just like being part of, um, yeah, a, a group that we're, we're unified and we're trying to get through this together. And so I think that's more than half the battle. The Israelites, though, they were asking themselves some things and, and God's word, God's word through Jeremiah is, you can you must. You will. This will help you to become resilient and transformed and identified more with the one true God in the process. And we could pick apart what that means to assimilate into a culture, especially if it's a culture that is unhealthy or oppressive or divisive, but that's not our focus for today. Instead, pay attention to the words of the scripture that reveal God's persistence in being present and working in and through the people in their hardship and to overcome adversity through the spiritual discipline of prayer. This builds community. This builds character in the people who make up the community. Jeremiah brings God's declaration that God himself has plans to prosper the people, to give them a future and a hope. So seek God. How? He says, you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. 
Verse 13 says, God will bring them back to the place from which he carried them into exile. He didn't just let them walk alone into the wilderness of unknowns, but he carried them and all the burdens that went with them. It was never him that abandoned the people, but just the opposite. God was leaning in to the Israelites, hoping too that they would lean into him completely. Friends, this is God saying to us that we can trust him with our deepest fears, our deepest desires, and our deepest disappointments. And in response, as we call upon him and pray to him, we are invited. We're inviting him into that dark space in us that holds those fears and those desires and those disappointments. It's not just a one-sided invitation, but it is one of mutuality. So today, your first point, your first learning point today is praying for our needs is a mutual invitation of trust. Praying for our needs is a mutual invitation of trust with our deepest fears, desires, and disappointments. Praying for our needs is a mutual invitation of trust with our deepest fears, desires, and disappointments. A mutual invitation opens up the space for sharing, for talking, for dialoguing, things that require more than one to be present. Granted, God already knew what the needs were, what the people were experiencing, but I don't know, well, the people probably didn't really know that. Prayer is God's assurance of trust that is given both ways. For some of us, trust is a very hard word. We've been betrayed too many times. We've been raised to be cynical. We've become a world where trust has been watered down so much that our default when asked to trust is to be even more cautious. Everybody knows that when someone says, trust me, it means exactly the opposite, right? Now remember, God knew that the Israelites would be captive for 70 years in Babylon. He also knew there would be betrayal and sin in the years to come. And the only way to defeat the darkness and the evil and the distrust was going to be for Jesus to enter the world, bringing back that light and the goodness and the trust. The promise in Jeremiah 29, 11 through 14 are promises for good that God intended and did fulfill through Jesus. When the people prayed for their needs, God not only listened, but he said that they would find him. And eventually that hope and promise came when Jesus came to walk this earth. And he died on the cross for us, bearing the sins of all for the righteousness of all. God and his son, Jesus, in their love for you and I, poured out everything for us. I have these words that are quoted from the theologian Dietrich Bonhoeffer, and he talks about prayer, saying prayer does not mean simply to pour out one's heart. It means rather to find the way to God and to speak with him, whether the heart is full or empty. No man can do that by himself. For that, he needs Jesus Christ. 
God trusts us to come, and He invites you and I to trust Him with our deepest fears and desires and disappointments. Will you let Him? Will you let Him? By the time Paul wrote the words of Philippians four verses six through seven, telling the people of Philippi not to be anxious, and in every situation, by prayer, to petition, to ask for their needs with thanksgiving. By that time, Jesus had come and died and had been resurrected. While the church was established in Philippi, there was still though conflict. Conflict between the people whom Paul loved deeply, and he wrote this letter to the people of Philippi to thank them for supporting him and his work as he went to spread the good news. He wrote them to encourage them to be encouraged and to find hope through prayer. He wrote these words. While he was in prison, but still being able to find hope and encouragement, I'm sure through much prayer. Jesus had come and made himself physically, spiritually, and emotionally present to the people. Jesus himself had extended an invitation to trust him with our deepest fears and desires and disappointments, modeling for us and showing us his own deepest fears and desires and disappointments. This message, along with the reminder that salvation was for anyone who followed Christ by faith, it was so important to Paul. To write, even from prison, to remind them of God's presence and His provision and His protection, the hope and promise from a relationship with Christ came with the confidence to say that this is learning point number two: praying for our needs is a mutual declaration of God's presence and provision and protection. Praying for our needs is a mutual declaration of God's presence, provision, and protection. When we pray, God through the Holy Spirit is very much present and working for our provision and protection. And I wonder what is more impactful—the fact that God can declare that, or that we can confidently declare that. You and I probably have amazing stories of God showing up, providing and protecting when we felt lost and without. That doesn't mean the ending was an ending that we had hoped for or wanted, but in that process, God was there with you through the Holy Spirit. God was there with you, providing and protecting. Paul was part of this early church. Too, where there was a lot, there was a lot to overcome, and to say you are a Christian, it could put you in jeopardy. It was a discriminating and oppressive time. People had to be cautious about their declarations of faith. Other people were untrusting of faith in Christ, and yet those who were committed to growing and serving and sharing Christ did so, assured that whether they physically lived or died. 
God's presence and his provision and protection was guaranteed with that promise of eternal life in God's kingdom community. We live in a world today that increasingly challenges us to be about prayer, all about prayer. And our prayers, they voice the mutual declaration that God is always present, working, and contending for better for all of humanity. Where are you in this process? It's hard, I know. Our world is so broken right now. Yet when we pray, the declaration, the belief that God is at work and will not stop working until Jesus returns is vital to living with God's intention and wellness now, today, this second. This past week, renowned pastor and author, Dr. Timothy Keller, passed away after battling pancreatic cancer. And you may be really familiar with him um, if you're a reader, <laughs> a, a theologian. Um, but having, he was someone that wrote and taught and preached on so many hard topics in the Bible with humility and kindness and truth. He had and in doing so, I think that's how he was able to reach people that would otherwise not be reached. But he had some profound words about prayer. And he noted that prayer is the best opportunity for head and heart to come together. It's the best opportunity for your head and your heart to come together. Absorbing the entire body in the process, especially those deepest places of your heart. If you picture Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane right before he was taken away to be crucified, his was a prayer of intimacy and struggle and ultimately trust and love in his Father. While God began the critical lesson of showing his love by teaching us to pray, Jesus showed us how to show our love for God by praying. Friends, prayer was born out of love. It was born out of love for you and I. Each week, we're going to be encouraging some spiritual prayer practices as you enter the week. And in your notes, if you have them, you'll find a focused prayer at the bottom of your notes, which is sometimes helpful for those whose minds tend to wander or if prayer is hard for you to get started. And, you know, we get really caught up. I know I do. I get caught up sometimes with what does it sound like when I pray or what kind of words am I using? I don't pray as well as Pastor Dan and Pastor Rebecca. <laughs> um, right? When we pray with others, it's just, it's like, that's just a part of being human. And all of that to say is um, the most important person when you pray, God, he is, he is touched and probably elated that you are inviting and declaring him to be a part of your life in this way where you are bringing you, the real you, however, whatever words you use. So I encourage you to be you in your prayer time. Your words are you. It doesn't have to be fancy. You don't have to cite scripture or be super spiritual. If you're mad, you can tell him. If you have no words, you can say that too. 
God is inviting you to say anything with the assurance that he will be present and he will always love you. This morning, um, another reflection question that we have asks, what is a current need that you want to bring to God in prayer today? So what is some need that you want to bring to God in prayer today? And today we want to invite you, we're going to do some participatory prayer. You don't have to pray out loud, so don't worry. Please nobody leave. Okay. (laughs) Um, But we're going to give you a couple of minutes in a little bit to reflect on this question. Okay, and we'll be passing out some paper tags um, that, let me see if I have one here, that look like this. And actually, they're pretty good size, so right away, you can write down everything and anything on here. But we're going to give you a few minutes to write your prayer request on one of these. And they'll be being passed out by Pastor Dan and Daisy um, and Jarrett. And they have pens also. And Pastor Rebecca is going to come up in a little bit after I pray, and she's going to play the piano so that you have time to reflect. And so write your request down. What is the current need you want to bring before God that you're going to trust Him with today? And um, then after you're done, you can come up to the cross here, this beautiful cross that I think, Jeff, you stayed up all night finishing it for us. But you're going to come up to the cross, and you're going to take a pin here, and you're going to put your prayer request on this cross, okay? And so um, we invite you to do that. Those of you that are at home, I believe Robbie sent you um, an email with a template for one of these, so you can download, print, and if you want, you can send it to us, or you can place this somewhere at home where it's going to just remind you um, to be able, that you're able to bring your needs to God, okay? Um, Okay, so I'm going to pray, and then you're invited into this time of quiet. And then at that, after we're done, I think worship team is going to come up and just close us, all right? All right. So let's pray. Father in heaven who sees and knows all, you knew that people like us needed a way to draw close to you, to feel listened to and cared for, protected and provided for. As far back as Abraham, you made a way for us to talk with you that makes you real and present to us till today. Lord God, we're touched by the possibilities that come from being able to offer our prayers to you, to trust you, to declare you as the one who rescues and redeems and recovers us. Thank you, God. And Father, I do pray that if there is anyone here who has never prayed to open up the way to belonging to you, to being a part of your family, and has that desire today, if that's you, would you pray these simple words now? Jesus, I want to know you and love you. I come to you knowing that I need rescuing. I want to be forgiven for my sins. Lord, I receive you into my heart now. Thank you, Jesus. So, Lord God, we ask that as we enter into this time of reflection, bless those who are about to trust 
your invitation to pray for a need, that you would help us remember that we come with anything to you. You invite us to trust you with our deepest fears, desires, and disappointments, and we do our best to come. Lord, with our prayers, we declare that you are here with us, providing and protecting us. You see us, you love us, and we see you, and we love you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. <laughs>